want to take you back to January 1st, 2007, New Year's Day, as you're watching the Fiesta Bowl. As your spirit plummeted when Zabransky threw that interception for a touchdown, looked like the game was over, and then they ran that incredible hook and lateral play, scored, went into overtime, and then that final play, when they ran the Statue of Liberty play, and Ian Johnson ran around the end and scored, and the game was over, we'd won. Think about the feelings of that day. Pretty profound, huh? <laughs> there was a sense of glory about that victory. And for those of us who care about football, some of you don't, but <laughs> there was something about that that we didn't feel like just spectators of something glorious. We felt like participants somehow. We felt like this was our team, that we were somehow involved in this. And our community can't get over it. On the front page today, I just copied it off, but front page was this big picture of money and a helmet and BSU bowl windfall continues and big article about it, how it continues to impact this area and the university. You see, we entered into the glory of that moment and we don't want to let it go. 55,000 people have brought, bought the DVD that the university is selling. Shirts, sweatshirts, memorabilia, etc. And there's something about that that we feel that like for a time when we can enter into something like that, that somehow that glory transcends everyday life. Everyday life seems really boring, but man, when we can enter into glory, there's something wonderful about that. You see, I think we all want that to some degree because I believe God created us that way with a longing for glory. It's embedded in every human heart. And most of us so, feel so inglorious or unglorious, if I can make up a word, <laughs> that we look to identify ourselves with somebody who has glory. We get consumed with celebrities, whether they're athletes or movie stars or politicians. Not so much politicians anymore, but <laughs> American idols who are just everyday people that are seeking glory. We identify with that. And somehow feeling connected with somebody who has glory makes us feel glorious too. We want to connect with glory, but I think more than that, we want to become part of it. And even more than that, we want to become glorious ourselves. And that can sound bad, but you know what? I think that's God's plan. That longing for glory is God-given. But if you think about all these kind of glories I've been mentioning and talking about, all of them tend to fade, don't they? I mean, there, there isn't quite the excitement over the Fiesta Bowl, and it'll probably last for a while, but it fades. Celebrity status fades. Anything we can produce to be glorious fades. 
Where does real glory come from? What is God's plan for glory? A glory that lasts, that won't fade away in our lives. How can we find it on earth? If God created us with this longing for glory, how do we find it? Exodus 34, I believe, shows us. Verse 29 through 35 is where we are this morning. As we continue our journey through the book of Exodus... Let me read this passage to you, these verses. It's not very long. It came about when Moses was coming down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand as he was coming down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments on them, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because of his speaking with God, with him. So when Aaron and all the sons of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers in the congregation returned to him, and Moses spoke to them. Afterward, all the sons of Israel came near, and he commanded them to do everything that the Lord had spoken to him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil until he came out. And whenever he came out and spoke to the sons of Israel what he had been commanded, the sons of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. So Moses would replace the veil over his face until he went in to speak with him. So here's the setting. We saw in the last couple chapters the last couple of weeks that Moses had asked to see God's glory. He knew that the people needed forgiveness for the golden calf, for the rebellion. Lord, show me your glory. And God revealed himself as a God of compassion, of kindness, of grace, slow to anger, a God of forgiveness. And that was God's glory, his character. It was powerful. It was amazing. And God forgives the people, renews the covenant with them. Yes, I want relationship with you. Yes, I will go with you into the promised land because I'm a forgiving God. So Moses receives instructions from God, receives the new Ten Commandments, the first he had broken, remember? He brings those down, and as he comes down from spending time with God, his face is glowing, it's shining. Now, let me just a little historical note let you know here. There's a word that's related to this word for shine. It's the Hebrew word for horn. And depictions of Moses throughout the years have been of him with horns. That's the large, this is Michelangelo's statue of Moses. Now look at the close-up of his face. Isn't that interesting? But in the context, it's clear that what happened was Moses didn't come down with horns. (laughs) He came down with a radiant, glowing face. It's his face he covered up. It's his face that was glowing. It's his face that was shining. But it was a glory that was more like the glory of the moon, if you think about it. You know, the moon has no glory in itself, right? It simply reflects the light of the sun. It's bright. It's glorious, but not in itself. It's simply a reflected glory. And that's what Moses was like. He came down from the mountain and his face glowed. Notice some things about this story. 
His face glowed because he had spent time with God. So reminded us that God is the only source of glory, really. Any other glory is merely a shadow. Any other fiesta bowl victory or whatever can't last. The real glory, the real glory we're created for is simply in God himself. He is the source of all real glory. God himself. And Moses spent time with God 40 days on the mountain and he came down and his face was aglow. But notice something. It says, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone. Isn't that interesting? It wasn't like a flashlight in his face somehow. It was glowing and they could see it. The people could see it, but he could not. See, when God places his glory on us, we often aren't even aware of it. We can't really see it ourselves very well. (laughs) And so you might not even know that God is radiant in your life. In fact, you probably don't know if he is. He didn't know it. It was invisible to him. He only figured out from how others responded to him. And notice, they responded. They were afraid. These people saw this weird thing. This was extraordinary. This was not normal. Here's a guy with his face glowing, and they ran away. Aaron did. The leaders did. The sons of Israel, they just ran away. This guy is strange. And he had to call to them to come back. You see, God's glory, when it shows up, it impacts other people. They know that something unusual has happened. They know that when God shows up and reveals his glory, that this is beyond our human experience. This is something far greater than we know in our own lives. One amazing thing about this glory is that God shares his glory with Moses. God loves to share his glory. We were talking about this this week in a a group in I like what Deb Crumb said. She said, the heart of God is to share his glory. The heart of man is to keep glory for himself. (laughs) Isn't that true? The God, who is the most glorious being in the universe, obviously, the only source of true glory, loves to share it, as he does with Moses here. And notice also that this glory that was on Moses was tied to the words of God to God's communication, God's speaking to him. There's incredible glory in the words of God, if you think about it. God spoke forth and created the entire universe. When God speaks, it's so true, it's so powerful, it's so life-changing, there is always glory involved in the very words of God. Always. See, God's word is powerful and it is glorious. So you see this, The whole story really is tied to Moses went up, heard God speak to him. His face glowed when he spoke the words to the people, repeated what God said. His face glowed and then he put on the veil so it did not glow as he went on with his normal everyday life. So it's a very clear picture that God's glory is tied to his words. The words he has spoken and revealed to us as he spoke to all the different servants 
throughout history and they wrote down the truth and gave us the Bible. All the different authors who wrote and gave us this truth. God instilled glory in these words. Never take the Bible lightly. It's glorious. New Testament describes that. Hebrews chapter 4 says, The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to pierce to the very depths of our being. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, All Scripture is God-breathed. His glory is placed on it. He breathes it out into His different servants. And it's profitable for teaching, correction, reproof, and training in righteousness. That the man or woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. You see, it's powerful. It's glorious. God's Word is powerful. And this passage reflects that. The people were to know always that when the Word of God is spoken or received, there is glory. I personally take this very seriously. That my job up here is to speak God's words. So I have to spend time during the weeks and hear from God and make sure that the words I speak to you are not mine ultimately, but they're His. And I need to go in and hear His words because His words have power. They have glory. And then I pray every day, Lord, let what I say be Your words and not ultimately mine. Because that's the task of a teacher. But that's also the task of every one of us, to spend time with God, to hear His words, and to speak them forth. And there is glory in those words. So it's a great encouragement to be in the Word. You see, God wants to share His glory with us, with you and me, with every one of us. We who are weak and struggling don't have it together. He says, that's the kind of person I want to share my glory with. (laughs) I want to put it on you. And how do we get it? Spending time with God and His Word. That's the source of glory. He wants us to reflect His glory in the world. We are the visible glory of God on earth. And again, a reminder like Moses, we may not even know it's there. God's glory. We may not even know it's there. I may need more lights on me because I want to really glow today, by the way. (laughs) You see, we don't even know that because the presence of God in us is something that's invisible to the vessel. Invisible to the vessel, but visible to others. That's the way God has designed it. So the glory might be given to Him and not to us. So that's a wonderful picture. But there's a strange twist to this story, isn't there? The veil. Moses puts a veil up after he speaks to the people. And then he takes it down when he goes and talks to God and comes back out, speaks to them. They see the glory. They see the glow. And then he puts the veil up the rest of the time. Now, as you look at this passage, it's not explained why. Why did he put the veil up? We don't know. Commentators wonder at that. Well, maybe he was trying to protect the people so that they wouldn't continue to be afraid of him uh, so he could kind of live a normal life. 
possibly. Maybe he wanted it just to be tied to the word when he was speaking God's word and the rest of the time he covered it up. Possibly. I mean, the, the passage certainly reflects that. But why did he put on the veil? The passage really doesn't tell us. And we would not know if it were not for the Apostle Paul giving a commentary on this very passage over in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So turn with me there, if you would, because we are going to spend the rest of our time in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul comments on this very passage. He gives us his commentary. In this section of 2 Corinthians, Paul is describing the new covenant, a new relationship with God. How are we relate to, God, to relate to God now that Jesus has died and rose again? And he's planted his spirit in us. What's our relationship like with him? And he calls it the new covenant, promised in the Old Testament, finally given in the New Testament. And he says the way we relate to God now is greater, more profound than the saints did in the Old Testament because of Jesus. So he's describing the contrast between the two. But he says much here about glory. And in this description, he talks about how God's plan is not just to place his glory on us externally, like with Moses, but actually to place his glory in our hearts. That we might not just be moons, but that we might shine like stars with an internal glory because of the Lord's life in us. Isn't that amazing? And in this passage, he describes that over and over and over again. But as he does so, he talks about this very passage. And listen to what he says in verse 12 of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech, and we are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face, okay, same passage he's talking about here, commenting on it. He used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. Do you get what he's saying there? He said Moses would put the veil over his face Because the glory was fading and he didn't want the people to know. He wanted to hide the fact that he wasn't so great anymore, (laughs) that the glory wasn't on him anymore. He wanted the people to think he was still glowing, even though it faded each time. And then each time he'd go in and get recharged, (laughs) just like your cell phone. You got to go recharge it, right? And then it fades. You've got to recharge it. He was getting recharged. And then he'd come out and speak the words to the people. And then he'd cover up. <laughs> As it gradually faded behind the veil. But no one knew. Except Moses. Why would he do that? Because he wanted them to think the glow was still there. He wanted them all to think he was better than he was. <laughs> 